right, glad you're with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. It's 800-941-SEAN. If you want to join us, it's the best of times. You see the best in people. And I must say that is the majority of people. And, of course, you get the insane, you know, worst in people, which is sad but predictable, and there's not much you can do. There is a lot of news about hydroxychloroquine that I want to share with you, including the Novartis uh, CEO producing this saying it's the biggest hope against COVID-19. Um, the president in his clinical trial will know within days that 1,100 people in New York have been undergoing treatment. Uh, we know the Israelis have already sent Teva Pharmaceuticals. They gave us 6 million doses of hydroxychloroquine, and they're sending another 4 million doses. Uh, I know that within the United States, that is also happening at a pretty production at a very high level. Um, the FDA announced emergency approval for the treatment, hydroxychloroquine. Uh, Florida's Governor DeSantis decided to order up a, a rush uh, shipment of hydroxychloroquine. I have a very dear friend of mine. I'm not going to give all the details. When was it? Monday last week, Linda? Tuesday? Yeah, boss. Yeah. Okay. Very good friend of mine. Text me. Now, I was busy that day. I didn't get the text till like two hours later. And... He, he writes me, he goes, I'm, oh, I may have it. I'm in the hospital. I have pneumonia. I'm like, oh, I, I, I lost my mind. And it was DEFCOM 5 in my head. He'd not heard of it, but which, by the way, why would anyone know a lot about hydroxychloroquine, right? It's an anti-malaria drug. It's a lupus drug. Um, and anyway, long story short, I don't, I don't know if he'd want me to tell the story, but Doctor friends of mine, friends of this show, immediately got on the phone with his doctor. An amazing guy. The guy goes to war to get this hydroxychloroquine because he's read all the data on it. He believed in it. Just was having a hard time getting it, and he now left the hospital today. It was, it was a little rough there for a couple of days. Temperature up and down like crazy. Tylenol was able to take care of that aspect of it. But in the right doses, um, you know, I just and, and we we'll keep reading about it. I urge you don't take my word for it. I'm not a doctor, but I talk to all these doctors and they're all without pretty much exception telling me the same thing. But read it yourself. I'll get into more details of that uh, throughout the program today, because what does that mean? If it if it is what we think it is, and that is that it stops people from dying. And I'll explain in more detail as the show goes on how it works, how they think it works, what the studies show about how it works. Dr. Oz, I think, has done a, a, a tremendous service to the country. He's been featuring patients that got well, and he's been featuring the doctors that are prescribing it. And last Friday night on Hannity, he broke the news that there was the, that first French researcher, small clinical trial, had new updated information and it was 79 out of 80 people. Not bad. I'll take that. I don't want anybody to die. Remember, we're pro-life. We believe in, in, in life. Um, so it's, you know, look, this is going to be a very hard, bumpy, emotionally draining up and down few weeks for the country. Now, I watched the president's long press conference yesterday when he announced that he is going to extend the current 15-day, you know, we're asking you to help us till April the 30th. 
And there was a lot of talk. I mean, he had um, with him his medical experts, Dr. Bricks and uh, Dr. Uh, Fauci. And, you know, I went back and listened to my interviews with Dr. Fauci. I had one on January 27th. I picked up on this pretty early when I said, I think it was that interview or the 28th the next day, what I didn't like about what I was reading. Now, this is after the first known case in the United States was January 21st. It's not that long ago. And I remember reading that people are asymptomatic, apparently for days and days, and it's highly contagious. And I said, "Uh uh-oh. We got to pay attention to that. That's why I put up, you know, a timeline of all the things I said, because the mob and the media just lies. And uh, we were we were kind of honest from the beginning. Now, that's separate and apart from the media. And we have more examples of how despicable and repulsive they are today. And the same with the Democrats. But it was always to me just reading this, you know, all this new information, reading about that virus, reading about I, I have no too many doctors, unfortunately. So I'm always like. My one of my doctors hates me because he goes, all right, you're going to believe me or you're going to believe Dr. Google because I'll call him thinking I just got a great education. And then he's going to give me a whole new perspective on everything, which is kind of funny. But I want to get to all that. Um, There are things that I think we need to know. One thing that I will say right up front and and Samaritan Purse's Reverend Franklin Graham will be on the program today. They're building right now a hospital in Central Park in New York. That'll be up and running, what, in a day? They built at in New York, if you don't know, it's on the west side. It's called the Javits Center. Um, and they, they built the Army Corps of Engineers in like four days built a hospital. And it, incredible. They're building hospitals in each of the separate counties in New York that seem to be most impacted by this outside of New York City, because a lot of people in New York City decided to head for the hills and get out of the city because they wanted to avoid bringing the virus, but some of them brought the the virus with them, unbeknownst to them. They didn't know. They were asymptomatic. And so now it is really concentrated on the outer boroughs of New York, Suffolk County, Nassau County, Westchester County. And so hospitals by the Army Corps of Engineers being built there. The Javits Center has 3,000 beds. We watched in amazement as this Navy ship uh, Comfort, this Navy hospital ship, is now in New York, a thousand beds there. Uh, they're not going to be taking in Corona uh, virus patients. They're going to be taking in others to take a lot of the pressure off the hospital systems in New York, which is also what these other outside hospitals are doing. In other words, they are preparing, okay, we expect this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Um and, you know, what, it's like I watch this. I watch the media. I, it's, at, it's at a point where it's all the predictable people. It's all the same actors. It's all, if you will, it's the, it's the Russia, Russia people, Ukraine, Ukraine people. It's the impeach, impeach people. You know, now it's Chucky Todd. Does Trump have blood on his hands? Asking quid pro quo Joe, but doesn't ask him any tough questions whatsoever. Uh, you know, you got Roswell Rachel Maddow saying that one of these ships will be operational in New York Harbor, Trump says, by next week. That's nonsense. It will not be there next week. Well, somebody might want to send a picture over to Roswell Rachel because it's there. Uh, Pelosi out there blaming Trump for the growing corona death toll on NBC News. 
I mean, I, I don't know who's more difficult to listen to, her or quid pro quo Joe himself. But what were they doing when Donald Trump was putting in place 10 days after? This is such a key date. The fact that the media mob and the president's critics in the Democratic Party, they they can't acknowledge one good thing that this man has done. He's now we are watching a transformation unfold before our eyes. The way pandemics in the future will be dealt with will be forever defined by the new ways we are acting in this pandemic. And I'm not sure everything's perfect. I'm a little worried about the economy on the other side of this, but, we'll, you know, we're America. We'll bounce back. It's just I, certain aspects of it I'm, I'm questioning. But the idea that we had a travel ban 10 days after the first known case in this country, and we have another presidential candidate saying it was xenophobic, it was hysterical, and it was fear-mongering. And he sticks by that stupid position today. You don't have to be a medical researcher or scientist to figure out that if the travel ban had not been put in place, followed by the quarantine put in place, followed by extending out the travel ban and quarantines, as the president did, even through Western Europe, you don't have to be a genius to figure out uh, how many likely, what, tens of thousands of Americans would have contracted the disease but for that one action. And then I guess you could measure out mathematically or exponentially how many lives could have been saved. Now, if this becomes standard and you're not going to have people say it's xenophobic and hysteria and, and fear mongering, that would mean that the new paradigm shift has occurred. And that would mean that travel bans will become probably almost automatic if there's a sense that there might be a pandemic. The same with quarantine. Now, the drive-up testing seems, after yesterday's press conference, this week, 50,000 uh, tests that you will find out in minutes and home testing. Now, you're going to see, what are you going to see the next few weeks? A rapid rise in people that show that they either have the virus, had the virus. And it's going to be, you know, I've never watched during any pandemic or any flu where you lose tens of thousands of people every year from the flu, you know, cases confirmed, total deaths. Every life matters. You know, well, well if we want it. That's the whole point is we want to save lives. That's why getting rid of the FDA rules. That's why these public-private partnerships matter. That's why the president bringing in all of those people um, in the healthcare industry and pharmaceutical industry and the big box stores industry and, and, and uh, businesses small and large and everyone in between mattered. You know, moving FDA approval no, we're going to get rid of that instantaneously. Uh, we're going to we're going to err on the side of giving people hope and a chance. And so far, the numbers look pretty good to me. And we'll check in with our medical aid team later in the program. That's all new. This never happened before. You know, I watch Biden and I'm like, uh, OK, you you had a pandemic. Sixty point eight million Americans contracted H1N1 or N1H1 of your Joe. 60.8 million, hundreds of thousands of Americans were hospitalized because of N1H1, according to Joe. Um, before Obama himself, as Health and Human Services Secretary, said it was an emergency, before he declared it a national emergency, it was six months later, a thousand dead Americans and tens of thousands had contracted the disease. And the media fawned over him. You didn't see the total confirmed 
et cetera, et cetera, sites up like there. Look, the numbers, because no country is testing like we now are, are going to seem apocalyptic. It actually is another way to look at it. We need to know, because if we know who might have the virus, we can protect the rest of us that don't have the virus from getting the virus. That's why it is a good thing that they've been able to, in record time, sequence this thing, get the testing to see if you have it. And in the, in the meantime, they're building up convalescent plasma where somebody that recovers from corona, then they extract the plasma, uh, plasma, plasma in their blood, and then they infuse it into really, really sick people. That is showing a lot of promise, like hydrochloroquine. I mean, all of this stuff is new to watch the Defense Production Act and then watch all of America's companies step up like we've never seen before to help their fellow Americans. It's inspiring. Um, the best of times, and then you have those that are the same group of people. They will politicize, bludgeon it. Doesn't matter. Donald Trump, as I said so many times before this ever happened, if Donald Trump announced the cure for cancer and gave every American $5 million, they'd want to impeach him. It's sick. It's, it's it, you know, but I'm, I'm too, I, I find it too inspiring all the good I see to really get caught up in it. But that's what's at stake in 218 days. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, glad you are with us. Best of times, worst of times. And, you know, I like to just look big picture here. And when you think, wow, if we now implement all that we're learning here, down the road, which had never been done before. How many future lives can be saved? I, I, Hannity, how could you talk about that at this time? Well, um, it's something that matters. You know, transformational shifts matter. Making decisions that are controversial at the time, but turn out to be incredibly insightful and helpful. We need to learn from those things. We are seeing a pattern unfold. I've mentioned if the pattern holds, if the pattern holds like China, South Korea, although I'm still not confident we get all the correct information out of China, although we do have our people on the ground there. But we're seeing some anecdotal evidence in Seattle, according to the New York Times, sleazy paper that they are, home of the first known coronavirus. Uh, that's where the virus claimed 37 of their first 50 victims at that one nursing home. Remember, a lot of them came from there. Uh, they, according to the Times, are seeing evidence that the strict containment strategies imposed in the earliest days of the outbreak are paying off, at least for now. Deaths are not rising as fast as they are in other states. Dramatic declines in street traffic show that people are staying home. Hospitals have so far not been overwhelmed. Preliminary statistical models provided to the public uh, by public officials in Washington state suggest the spread of the virus has slowed. Uh, in Seattle uh, and that area in recent days. And while each infected person was spreading the virus to an average of 2.7 other people in early March, that number appears to have dropped, um, perhaps as low as to 1.4. Still too many. The idea is you don't want any. Listen, who wants a virus? You know, even those that this would never kill, and a lot, that's the vast majority. Who wants a virus? And you got to worry about the most vulnerable that it is, it is killing all over the world. Quick break. Right back. We'll tell you about HDL next. All right, 25 now to the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. All right, let's, let's go to the worst. And then I'm going to move to the uh, 
hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin treatments. Um, so there you have Conspiracy TV, MSDNC, Roswell, Rachel Maddow's channel, telling everybody it's nonsense that the hospital ship, the Comfort, was going to be in New York soon. Listen. In terms of uh, the happy talk we've had on this front from the federal government, there is no sign that the Navy hospital ships that the president made such a big deal of, the Comfort and the Mercy, um, there's no sign that they'll be anywhere on site helping out anywhere in the country for weeks yet. The president said when he announced that those ships would be put into action against the COVID-19 epidemic, he said one of those ships would be operational in New York Harbor by next week. That's nonsense. It will not be there next week. Nonsense. It's there. Whoops. Sure, we're having a correction tonight. Uh, I don't know what happened to Joy Reid. She's getting more extreme by the day over there at MSDNC, the conspiracy theory channel, all things radical leftist socialist, warning that Trump might use the coronavirus to reign as a monarch. Listen. Of course, it's hardly news that Trump has always had designs on reigning as a monarch with unlimited power rather than serving as a mere president in a democracy. But with the country facing an unprecedented public health crisis, what lengths might he, backed by an attorney general whose writings and actions point to a fundamental belief in an all-powerful presidency, at least when the would-be king is a Republican, what lengths might Trump go to to expand his power under the guise of national security? Now, if I said anything similar, Kennedy's is pushing a conspiracy theory. Notice everybody that I'm playing here, Roswell Rachel, Joy Reid, Chuck Todd, who I'm about to play. They're all the same people that lied for three long years. Trump, Russia, collusion. Did they ever make a retraction, correction? Did their fellow mob media members uh, insist on it? No, of course not. Now, we have a timeline how seriously I took Corona starting on January 27th. Walks you right through it. But Hannity, you criticize the Democrats because they they they're using it as a hoax. Yeah, they were using it politically. Very clear distinction. And all the irrefutable evidence of my warnings about this virus from January 27th. I had Dr. Anthony Fauci on TV. January 28th, I said, I sounded the alarm. Uh-oh. I don't like the looks of this because if you're asymptomatic, apparently you can be asymptomatic for long periods of time, which means that you are infecting many people who have no idea you have it. That's a problem. Anyway, let's go to Chuck Todd. He has clueless quid pro quo Joe on. Is there blood on Trump's hands? And we have to be ahead of the curve, not behind the curve like we were last time. You know, your campaign put out your, in a critique of, of President Trump and says if he doesn't do these things, you know, he could he could cost lives. Do you think there's already do you think there is blood on the president's hands considering the slow response? Or is that too, too harsh of a criticism? I think that's a little too harsh. Blood on the president's hands. The same guy that that clueless quid pro quo said was xenophobic, hysterical, and fear monger. The same day that the president put the travel ban in effect. Uh, okay, you don't have to be a scientist, a medical researcher, a doctor, a nurse, a medical professional to figure out that was a pretty darn good decision after the 10 days after the first known case. And, of course, Pelosi. Now, remember, she's saying this now, but what was Nancy Pelosi doing before Christmas? She was urgently voting articles of impeachment. 
but the president, because they had no time to waste, so they had to get it done and then race off to their vacation. And then at the time that the president was implementing the travel ban and the quarantine and acting and acting out of an abundance of caution for the safety of the American people, she was impeaching. Chucky was impeaching. They're all impeaching. That's all they focused on. I don't remember even in a lot of these Democratic debates, Corona being discussed much at all. And Nancy now saying, oh, Trump has downplayed the severity. I don't think a travel ban was downplaying anything. Now, nobody knew it would evolve into this. Anthony Fauci changed. We all changed. Everybody, you can go back and you can see every single person realize the, the, as time went on, we didn't expect this. We've been through pandemics before. If you think it's going to be like the other ones, this one's different. Anyway, here's Pelosi. I don't know what the scientists are saying to him. I don't know what the scientists said to him. When did the president know about this? And what did he know? What did he know? When did he know it? That's for an after action review. But as the president fiddles, people are dying. And we have to we just have to take every precaution. What did the president know? He knew the first known case identified in the United States was February. Uh, I'm sorry, January 21st. What did he know? Well, the first known case, January 21st this year. February, uh, January 31st, 10 days later, the travel ban. Nancy, you were in the middle of your impeachment nonsense. You weren't paying attention to quote you as as the, the House of Representatives. She's wondering, I don't know what the medical experts are telling Trump. Well, I think if you call Dr. Fauci, I think if you called the medical professionals or Dr. Deborah Burks, maybe I think you're the Speaker of the House. They'd probably take your call. Why don't you try it? Just an idea. As you've been fiddling with impeachment. Unbelievable. And then you got Hillary Clinton. What does she say? Well, he did promise America first, referring to one of the president's often repeated campaign slogans. Really? That's what you're going to say when people are getting sick and some are fighting for their lives. I don't think that's too good. You got, you know, you got the incomprehensible quid pro quo Joe now raising money off Corona. You got a liberal, uh, the free beacon had a piece about a, a, a dark money group, leftist group, spending $1.2 million attacking GOP senators on coronavirus. By the way, in New York City, their health commissioner was urging New Yorkers to gather in public places. I remember, wasn't it Bill de Blasio also at up to a certain point? Um, look, there's a lot of things that, that happened here that I'm not going to, I don't want to play politics with it. Right now, the most important thing that we can do is get an answer. That's the most important thing. I think the answer, because, look, even though in record time, our medical researchers, our scientists, and I said this early on, I, I have a lot of faith in people. I have faith in our medical community. We are the best of the best. We'll probably end up saving the world again. We've been discussing that like we have so many other times. We have paid the price for freedom, rebuilt Europe, beat back every ism there is. Nazism, fascism, communism, and radical Islamism. We do that. That's who we are. We share our developments with the world. We'll do it again here. That's what I would expect. So the president, out of an abundance of caution. Now, look, I think what he's they have decided, this is my take on it, is that, okay, we're going to take this through April 30th because we don't want to get back to life at normal. We're looking at these varying models, et cetera, et cetera. And 
the the possibility that we leave some cancer out there and it bounces back. That's a legitimate concern. So after he listens to Fauci, after he listens to Dr. Burks, he makes the decision. It's not worth it. We're going to stay in shutdown mode till April the 30th. Not complete shutdown mode. We have to eat. We have to get food. Our nation's grocers, by the way, they're doing a phenomenal job. I know some places are more full than others, but I'm telling you, they work, they're kill, everyone in every business is killing it for the American people. They're working day and night. They're looking for whatever they can do. Um, but the next two weeks are going to be the two to three to four weeks are going to be the scariest. Nobody will talk about all the actions that the president has taken. I can put it. I mean, the, the list, I'll scroll them tonight. They're so long. Whole love government approach. I mean, it is. Uh, I don't hear anyone in the media say a nice word. Just the same people that hated Donald Trump from the beginning. The same exact people. The same media mob. The same Democrats. They haven't done a thing for the American people in all this time. Um, so here are some of the medical developments. There's a really good piece in the Wall Street Journal today, an update on the coronavirus treatment. Hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin continue to show results for patients. We've been on this early. We've been attacked for being on this early looking for any anecdotal information. I'll tell you, the guy that is following this day and night, if if I text Dr. Oz at 3 a.m., he texts me back. He's all over it. He's talking to doctors all around the world, accumulating as much data anecdotally granted as possible. They have a study going on at his university uh, where he's associated with Columbia. But the, the evidence is very hopeful. And now we've watched enough people that have had this treatment that have done well. Um, and hopefully now I have an update on that. Uh, the Novartis, Novartis, it's a evil pharmaceutical company. I say that because that's what liberals say about pharmaceutical companies. Anyway, uh, they said the drug hydroxychloroquine is the company's biggest hope against the virus. Quoted in a, Sw- a Swiss newspaper reported on Yahoo Finance, Novartis is now pledged to donate 130 million doses in supporting clinical trials needed for the medicine, which the president has been saying, hey, I have a lot of hope in this. Didn't say it was done. We know that the Israeli pharmaceutical manufacturer Teva and Bayer also agreed. Teva? I'm sorry, I say wrong. Teva, I'm sorry. And Bayer, well, they donated $6 that we already have, and they are also donating another $4 million doses. Bayer is now going to be donating hydroxychloroquine and similar drugs. Preclinical studies, you know, they look pretty promising. I'm not a doctor. Look it up yourself. I'm giving you the information that I see. We know that there's been a clinical trial going on now in New York for a small period of time. Uh, We know that these doses are becoming more readily used and available. Seems like more and more doctors watching the work of Dr. Oz and Dr. Siegel and Dr. Sapphire and others saying, hey, this is a good idea. Uh, Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis by the way, if you come to, to Florida from New York, self-quarantine 14 days. I don't blame him. He's trying to protect the people of Florida. It's a smart thing to do. Not convenient, but for the time being out of an abundance of caution, that, that is a just a smart thing to do. So there's a lot of anecdotal evidence out here. The FDA okayed the emergency authorization of drugs. I'm not sure why in New York, Andrew Cuomo Knowing that this study is going on, well, pharmacies are forbidden via executive order 
from prescribing it. Now, look, I don't really, I thought I had a really good conversation with Andrew Cuomo. I was actually pretty happy about it after I said, you know what? All right, he's, he's saying the right things. He sounds authoritative. He doesn't want to play politics. He tells me. And the president sends him 4,000 ventilators. They're not his. Now, we know that there's been articles written at length. I won't go through all the details of it, that he had a chance to buy them. 16,000 of them at a fairly reasonable rate didn't do so. And then he put together a task force that decided how they would ration them if they ever needed them. Now, from my perspective is I'm thinking, are you kidding me? New York is the number one, New York City, the number one terror target of our entire country, our entire financial system. We know we know what happened, the first Trade Center bombing, the, the 9-11, we know what happened. We also know it's the highest concentration of people in a very small geographic area, which means that there might be a pandemic and you're more likely to be in trouble than any other city in the entire country. So now they're the epicenter of the coronavirus. You got all of these hospitals that army, the army Corps of engineer hospital at the Javits center. That's not Cuomo's hospital. Trump built that. And you look at the Navy ship that the Navy ship comfort thousand beds. Yeah. He built that too. And the hospitals they are now building the army Corps of engineers in Westchester and Nassau and Suffolk counties. Yeah. That would be the federal government. And what the only thing that angers me, cause I do think he's, He's trying, but he can't get away from his own political self. Although he's denying today that he has any uh, plans of running for president if Joe Biden were to get out. Let's see what happens. Um, But all of five separate hospitals now. And we got Samaritan's Purse building one in Central Park. He said on Friday, I couldn't believe it, because earlier in the week he said, I want 30,000 ventilators. And I'm like, we found out Friday the 4,000 that was sent to him was in a warehouse because they don't need them yet. We all know that GM and Ford and all these other companies are making more immediately. We also learn that anesthesiologists, some of their equipment can easily be apparently converted into a ventilator if need be. And I'm just sitting there saying, oh, really? Because Andrew Cuomo could have done a hell of a lot more too. And the same with Comrade de Blasio. Now I'm willing to put bygones and let bygones be bygones here but don't sit there and lecture when you had a chance to do it all of this heaven and earth is being rightly because this is where ground zero for this is sent to new york hospitals built ships sent ventilators sent and so, and all the equipment that they can get their hands on and then i look at cuomo well maybe when you were spending 750 million on a solar panel factory that end up closing down or $90 million for a light bulb company or $600 million for a computer to chip factory that sits empty. Well, how many, let's see, mask gowns, uh, ventilators, could you have purchased with that money knowing New York's the number one target? I'm not trying to do, I just look at this and it's like nothing this guy does is going to be good enough. And it's like, you barely get a thank you. I need 40,000. I need 30,000. Give me this. Why didn't you prepare? You know, states on the front lines, they have an obligation. Mayors and governors have a duty to prepare. Ron DeSantis was great. He goes, "Uh, I don't want him doing my job, meaning the president. He wants to do his job. He's the governor. This is such a very, very sad time for us. So we should be taking every precaution. Uh, What the president, his uh, denial at the beginning uh, was deadly. His delaying of getting 
uh, is, equipment to where it, is, it continues is delaying getting equipment to where it's needed is deadly. And now I think the best thing would be to do is to prevent uh, more loss of life rather than it open things up so that, because we just don't know. We have to have testing, testing, testing. That's what we said from the start. I don't know what the scientists are saying to him. I don't know what the scientists said to him. When did the president know about this? And what did he know? What did he know? When did he know it? That's for an after action review. But as the president fiddles, people are dying. And we have to, we just have to take every precaution. What was Nancy doing at the time that the president, 10 days after the first known case in the United States, was putting in place the travel ban and the quarantine? Fiddling? No. In retrospect, the single biggest, greatest decision, apparently not many people agreed with it, even those around him, that prevented countless numbers of Americans from contracting the virus and exponentially, mathematically, how many from dying. And she was in the middle of impeachment. And she was not talking about corona. Remember, she she had to urgently pass this before Christmas, the impeachment, so she can urgently get out to California to go on vacation and the rest of the Congress. They urgently did it to go on vacation. This is why the, the president was in the middle of an impeachment trial. This is how distorted and twisted and perverted the, the thinking and the mindset is here. You know, you, you look at the same media mob characters, you look at the same Democrats, it's the same people, three plus years, hate, rage, Trump, derangement, psychosis. I, 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 I honestly, I would say Donald Trump cured cancer. They would impeach him for curing cancer. It's that sick. Meanwhile, I have a list that is a mile wide of all of the things that the president has done from day one to help. By the way, all unprecedented. This is all new. You know, this is all new ground. The travel ban. That's the future. Pandemic on its way. Ban. I guarantee it. Quarantine. Boom. Testing. Well, first breaking down the sequence of a virus used to take years. They got it done in six weeks. Drive-up testing, now evolving into home tests. We're going to have uh, Abbott Pharmaceuticals is now cranking out 50,000 a week. Now, it's going to get scary in one sense because that means we will have tested more than any other country on Earth. We will know the full magnitude of what this pandemic was. And there will be the next few weeks, buckle up. You're going to see that a lot of people contracted it. But now, of course, then we look to the medical doctors that are out there and and Dr. Deborah Burks and Dr. Anthony Fauci that, you know, talked to the president, said, look, this is this is the worst case scenario. Now, you'd be better if we just stuck with the plan longer so we don't have a resurgence or a rebound down the road. I haven't heard I have not heard any mob member that hated Trump the whole time. The last three years, those that peddle lies, conspiracy theories, hoaxes. Can they say that the travel ban was good? Can they say that the president getting up here in New York uh, earlier today, this hospital, Navy hospital ship, can they say that was a good decision? Can they say that the Army Corps of Engineers that built a 3,000-bed hospital at the Jacob Javits Center, can they say that's a good thing? The president 
Heard from Governor Cuomo, got him 4,000 ventilators. He put him in a warehouse, but he's demanding 30,000, 40,000. He's not using the ones we gave him yet. We all know that GM and Ford are now manufacturing, along with other companies, as many as they can crank out. We also had an announcement nobody seemed to pay attention to is anesthesiologists now can easily convert their equipment into a ventilator. Fairly, everything that I've read and, and heard and people have said to me, fairly easy to do, which would mean we have tens of thousands of more ventilators. God forbid we need them. The hope is you don't need them. All of the, the equipment, these, none of these governors or mayors were ready for anything. It is shocking, particularly in New York. And I'm not, I'm just ticked off at Cuomo because he, he walks around and he, give me this, give me this. Okay, he built you that hospital. He's building you a hospital in Nassau County, Suffolk County, Westchester County, the Javits Center. He has the hospital ship up here. You got the doses of, uh, that you wanted for hydrochloroquine and azithromycin. You got that from Trump too pointing you know doing his photo ops walking through the triage center that the president set up at the javits center kevin mccarthy is the gop house leader kevin how are you sir i'm doing well and exactly what you're talking about because the first days that the administration came to the capitol to brief us all what were they doing impeaching the president and you just watch i, I don't understand how the speaker can actually say those words because she is the one who held it hostage instead of helping people. And why was she holding it hostage? Not for more ventilators, not for more money, but exactly for changing election law, changing for sanctuary cities, a Green New Deal. I mean, nothing to deal with coronavirus. And you know what matters every single day? How big one week matters? 3.3 million people got laid off last week, bigger than we've ever had, six times larger than during the financial crisis. And it was the speaker holding it up. I came back to that meeting on Sunday night. 99% of that bill was agreed to, except that erroneous spending of what she held it up to get, but she wanted so much more. She delayed for over a week for the Kennedy Center, the National Endowment for the Arts and the National Endowment for the Humanities. And meanwhile, American workers needed money. Hospitals need funding. We small businesses and big businesses. I, I, it's unconscionable to me that this is what they were fighting over. She restricted this relief just in order to make her liberal that wish list a reality. Now, luckily, she failed. But you got to give this president credit. Do you know, had President Xi, the communist country of China, taken the action of this president, ninety-five percent of this would have never happened. We could have contained this inside China if they would have allowed our experts, our scientists, our doctors in. Now you can't, you can't trust their numbers or what they're talking about. But look at the ingenuity of America. It was just like a month ago Abbott was talking about having a test to make it within five to ten minutes. Now it's a reality. You watch what this president has done prior to this, getting the FDA to approve a bill for a right to try. That's for anything in the future. If you're, you're terminal you, and you've got a new drug coming forward, you can try it. He prepared and pushed that. I remember him calling me late at night. We've got to get that through, Kevin. And that's a benefit that we're helping right now. I think that was, I, again, that's transformational. Look, nobody really wants to hear this now, but the fact is, I don't think people, if, the, if we have any signs of a future pandemic, after all we've been through here, that a travel ban is going to be called xenophobic, hysterical, and fear-mongering. 
Same with quarantine. Uh, you know, the, the, eliminating FDA draconian rules and regulations because of the promise of off-label use of a drug like hydroxychloroquine for, that was made in 1945. And according to the experts, there's some risk. There's a risk taking a Tylenol, but very minimal in the doses we're talking about and showing incredible anecdotal results. Exactly. And this president, his ability to push the FDA to go further. Watch. Now, now Abbott has a test that you can get back within about 10 minutes, something that took days. It took us two years to get us into trial one testing for a vaccine for SARS. We are already in a trial one. Look what Johnson & Johnson is announcing, a billion dollars into this now. This is the difference between America and the rest of the world. Yes, we're going to come out stronger. We're going to get over this. But we're also not even going to save America, but we'll save the world, whereas China created this. That is a big contention for me. Uh, did you see, I, I have not independently confirmed it, but I... I saw enough credible people that wrote it. I think there is an Australian newspaper that they were drained of their masks by China and that there are bulk purchases that were made. They knowing what was coming and not being particularly uh, thoughtful for their Australian, you know, uh, human beings by doing that and at least not warning them of it. Apparently, I, I don't see any warning and I don't think to this day we've gotten the real numbers for them from them. Do you? No, we, we do not have the real numbers. I saw an article today. They, they were saying from Wuhan just itself, they think there, people are over there saying 43,000, they believe, had died there. You can't trust the numbers coming out of China. But we have guys on the ground now. Aren't they, aren't they now beginning to realize that they better share this information with the world? Well, they harmed the entire world by not sharing and allowing us in at the beginning, trying to cover it up. Had they acted differently, 95% of this never would be happening. I read that it, same study. I now, saw that. The president has been right long before. This is one of our problems as well. Of what has happened for the last two decades with China acquiring the supply chain in so many different industries. I want to tell you a conversation I had this weekend. I was talking to some, some very high-up CEOs of major corporations that were helping us acquire more PPE, the personal um, protection equipment that everybody so needs. So when they're purchasing some of that supply chain is in China. They control a lot of it. So they had purchased some already. They just found out that she had taken over the factory. Why? Because Macron had called them and wanted to purchase some. And he was going to send it to France because he was leveraging France to take Huawei in for another supply chain in a Good whole grief. different industry. Utilizing this, ha this. This has to change, by the way. We, we cannot allow pharmaceuticals no. to be... To, now we do have great pharmaceutical companies here, we, and we by the way, our friends the, Israel stepped up. They sent us ten million doses of hydroxychloroquine. That's a lot. Yeah, but it's part of the ingredients, critical minerals that take to build a lot of our military items. They have, and they utilize it just to control more. This is something President Trump had warned us when he was campaigning and be working to change. This is something that we have to wake up as a nation. We have to protect our health right now, get through this, but never put, us, put ourselves in this position. Let me ever ask again. you this. So we're 218 days away from an election. Now the president has decided to listen to, oh, Republicans don't believe in science. He's listening to the scientists. And now he's extended this through, you know, social distancing, all those stuff um, through uh, April the 30th. Uh, the monies have been allocated. There's money available to with the Fed for loans, et cetera. 
Um, the second quarter is going to be a total shift show. No, it's it's simple math. It's not that hard to figure. If we can get through this by the end of the second quarter or before, what do you think happens to the economy on the other side of that? You could have like a hockey stick growth, some of our greatest growth in a short amount of time. Why? You watch what the president just got through and signed the other day. If you were a small business, and this is 500 employees or fewer, which employ the majority of Americans, you can go in and get a guaranteed loan. But this is what's so important. You get two and a half times of what your payroll expenses are and others. You pay your rent, you pay your employees, you pay your utilities. You don't owe any of that for the next two months. If you're a large business, we give you a guaranteed loan, but what's more importantly, we give you a tax incentive where we pay for half of your employees. We want to keep people employed. It's important. Get us through during this shutdown period and then get our economy back growing again. And there's no one who understands the economy better than President Trump. Look what he was able to build beforehand. This isn't because some banks or Wall Street did something wrong. This is because China lied to the world. We had the largest economy, the strongest we've ever had, and we will grow that right back. We need to get through a bridge right now, and that's what that resource will give. It provides checks to individuals. It gives you for unemployment, if you're on there, even in the first week, and it gives you an extra 600 Every element, $140 billion to the hospitals. So we don't want those ventilators being stored and not taken out. We want them being used, but we're going to provide them as well. All right, Kevin McCarthy, The well, hopefully maybe uh, it won't be Speaker Pelosi in 218 days. We'll see. Um, thank you for all you're doing. It's all hands on deck. I'm glad there are some adults left in Washington. All right, our medical aid team, when we uh, after the news at the bottom of the hour, we have Michelle, though, first in North Carolina is a nurse. And I know I speak on behalf of everybody in this audience and this country. Thank you all for what you do every day. You risk your lives for us every day. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome, Sean, and I thank you and everybody else who is saving this country um, one true story at a time because we desperately need it. Um, there was one thing that I just I just want to share a little bit of hope. Um, I feel like what really needs to be promoted right now is the fact that I know there's a lot of talk of anecdotal um, in this hydrochloroquine and the azithromycin combination, and I just want to say one thing. If I had... COVID-19 or somebody that I love had it and they were struggling with a respiratory illness, I would be so thankful that there is anecdotal proof that people have been cured of this by taking these medications. Because I think what we're focusing on is, you know, everybody wants the ventilators and everybody wants the respirators, but what people aren't realizing is getting a ventilator doesn't mean that you're going to survive this disease. Basically what that's saying is now your lungs have become so weakened and incapacitated that you Correct. can't breathe for yourself. And let, me, so, let me add this, I, though. I like you would take it in a second. That's my decision. I'm not a doctor, but I'll give you the last 15 seconds. Well, and just to say, the other thing that I think is super important is us recognizing that we have a responsibility to be taking care of our bodies, and it's fearful to me to see so many people that were in such a rush for to be victims, and everybody wants the government to do everything for us. And yes, absolutely, Trump is doing an absolutely wonderful job. He has Michelle, all these wonderful scientists. It's on a hard break. Our medical aid team is next. You are amazing. Thank you. Dr. Burks, where are we today? And where is this headed in the next few weeks? 
Well, this is the way pandemics work, and that's why we all are deeply concerned and why we've been raising the alert in all metro areas and in all states. No state, no metro area will be spared. And the sooner we react and the sooner the states and the metro areas react and ensure that they've put in full mitigation at the same time understanding exactly what their hospitals need. Uh, I want to point out that the hydroxychloroquine is being administered to 1,100 patients, people in New York, along with the z which is azithromycin. And uh, it's very early yet. It's only, it started two days ago. But uh, we will see what happens. I want to thank Stephen Hahn, who's a great doctor, uh, left one of the best jobs in our country, running an incredible hospital in Texas. And he's the head of the FDA, and Stephen got approval for that so fast. Let's see how it works. It may, it may not, but uh, we may have some incredible results. We're going to know soon. So it's tested. It's being tested on 1,100 people in New York. 25 now to the top of the hour. That was uh, the president talking about the hopes of hydroxychloroquine along with Zithromax and the promising, albeit anecdotal, but a lot of it now it's it's coming pouring in every single day now wall street journal has a piece out today that french study uh released late last week publishing the results 80 hospitalized patients receiving the combination of hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin by day eight of the treatment 93 percent showed a negative nasal swab for the virus Quote, this allowed patients to rapidly be discharged from highly contagious wards with a mean length of stay of five days. Now, during the initial outbreak, Wuhan doctors observed that patients with lupus. Remember, this this drug, hydroxychloroquine, is used for lupus and it's an anti-malarial drug. Anyway, they had observed patients that have lupus, meaning they take this medicine. It's been around since 1945. Uh, is a common treatment. They did not seem to develop COVID-19. They treated 20 COVID-19 patients with hydroxychloroquine. Their result, quote, clinical symptoms improved significantly in one to two days. After five days of chest CT examination, 19 cases showed significant absor- absorption improvement. Kansas City area physicians continue to treat many patients and some have shown improvement. Major medical centers now, including the University of Washington, Mass General, they have now added hydroxychloroquine to treatment options. I mentioned at the the start of the show that I had a very good friend of mine text me. He's he's a little older than me and he's in a hospital with with pneumonia in Florida. They, They were not at that point using hydroxychloroquine. He went on it. He's home today. That was Less than a week ago, Ron DeSantis has decided to order up a rush shipment to his state for the purpose of having it available for the citizens of Florida, for the people of Florida. The FDA announced emergency approval for hydroxychloroquine. The Israelis were pretty amazing. They, they sent us six million doses and they're sending another four million doses. Uh, we know that the president said we have this trial going on 1100 people in New York. Even now, I'm not sure why governor Cuomo issued an executive order saying that 
off-label use. People can't get it on their own at a pharmacy. Not sure why they're doing that. I'm a big believer, right, to try. Uh, We also know that Novartis, the chief executive, said, and this was a Yahoo Finance article, the company's biggest hope against coronavirus is, in fact, hydroxychloroquine. And they have now pledged to donate 130 million doses and are supporting clinical trials before the medicine. Dr. Oz is also doing his own testing and trials at Columbia, where he is affiliated with. Uh, joining us, our medical aid team, Dr. Nicole Sapphire, and Dr. Jeffrey uh, Collier is with us. Uh, thank you both for being here. By the way, you're a former governor. I'm sorry to hear that, uh, doctor. I think you took a step down when you went into politics. You were doing so much, <laughs> you're doing so much better. Yes, it's more fun. The chance to cut is the chance to cure in uh, my world. Uh, what are your thoughts? What do you see? Yeah, so uh, so we first published an article in the Wall Street Journal last week because of um, all of the data that was coming out nationally, and we felt it had to get that information had to get out very quickly uh, there, and we followed that up with the new data that's happening this week. Uh, you know, this is pretty major stuff for us. We're in a situation where we don't have good treatment options. And I've had on the white coat and the blue coat, this is one where we really need to explore it more. And we are. We're starting to see, we're starting to see some uh, good results, but we need more data. Okay. So good. You, anecdotally, is, is everything you're seeing positive? Now, look, I've read all of the... Look, if you read a bottle of Tylenol, doctor, you know and I know you're never going to take Tylenol. Um, but <laughs> so far, we've not seen. Look, in high doses, I've read, hey, this this can people can lose their sight, but not at the doses we're talking about here. Dr. Sapphire, let's ask you, what are your thoughts on this anecdotal information? It seems very promising. Yeah, so Sean, I mean, I agree with you. Let's let's be honest. The biggest reason that hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin combination is controversial is because President Trump supported it, because anything that he says is going to work, I mean, the majority of the media is going to say it's not going to work. Now, the truth is, when it comes to treatments and technology, we want it to, you know, have all the check marks for safety and efficacy. But here's the thing, and this is not no strange thing. I mean, Drs. Birch and Fauci dealt with this with the HIV epidemic and pandemic as well. It's called parallel tracking. If you have a medication that is proven safe and the efficacy is, you know, somewhat questionable, but you're seeing anecdotal improvements, then you throw it at people and you see if it works. And that's what's happening right now. And again, the reason I believe that there's so much controversy right now is because there's always controversy surrounding President Trump. Now, of course, both of those medications, when used together, can prolong what's called your QT interval, which has to do with the electricity of the heart. We want to make sure that people don't have what could be fatal heart arrhythmias when taking these in combination, which is why both medications require a prescription, and they need to be done under under a physician's um, supervision. But, you know, but so people wouldn't be taking this on their own anyway. So you'd need a prescription for it. And I, but why, point, I why think, would Governor Cuomo prevent? Yeah, I know he has a trial going on, but he is preventing New Yorkers, the, the pharmacies from dispensing it off label at all. You can't get it. Well, he won't allow it to happen. Well, that is one of the biggest fundamental problems I have with government intrusion in healthcare, which is why I've written an entire book about it. But you know, that just plays along with it. And the reason he's doing that is because people are hoarding these medications. I can tell you every rheumatologist I know wrote about a million prescriptions for both of these, both of these medications as soon as word hit the street. And just for my own personal 
quest for knowledge, I called my local pharmacies to see if they hadn't had it, and none of them did. So he's doing that so they don't run out of their supply. Luckily, mm. our private sector has stepped up and have, are going to be donating a whole bunch, but I truly think that he's just doing that in, because he wants to preserve supply for those in need. Well, it sounds like between Bayer, Novartis, Israel, and everywhere else that we're, we're not going to have a shortage of dosage. dosage. Um, here's the main question, and Dr. Collier, I ask you first. Here's my question. If you had this or your mother or father had this, would you, would you prescribe it to them? Now, I'm not a doctor, and everything I've read, I'm a layman. For me personally, and I'm only speaking for myself, I would take it in a heartbeat. Yes, and I, I would be the same uh, here. And, uh, you know, for, for me and for my family, and I know the risks and, and what's going on with my family. And I think people need to have a good relationship with their doctor, explain why they're concerned about it. Their doctor can explain, you know, their understanding of it. And their understanding is going to change with a little bit of time here. I think you're going to see a better answer about this in probably a couple of weeks once we have all of those data back on some of these tests uh, that are there. But I've seen good results uh, with some of our patients, uh, and it's been consistent results in several different studies, but we're going to need more. Well, I, but I think that's the main question. Dr. Sapphire, how about you? Your, if it was your mom, your dad? Siblings, yourself? You know, I, I work I work at the largest, one of the largest hospital and cancer centers in the world. So I am no stranger to academic medicine and the, you know, the shackles that keep us down. But the truth is, yes, golden, golden standard is, um, you know, for evidence-based medicine, we want randomized, blinded studies. However, it's also our quest for this in academia is our Achilles heel. Because if we say that, well, we'd have to have these gold standard um, studies to prove something, people are dying in the interim, and we are, you were lacking in, you know, expediting being able to treat some of these patients. So, yes, I am cautiously optimistic. I don't think it should just be a free-for-all, and everyone can just take it. But the truth is, at this point, we have a lot of studies going on, and we're seeing improvements, and we can wait for that randomized, controlled, blinded study a little bit down the road. Right now, I mean, we have naval ships coming in. We're building a hospital in Central Park. At this point, you want to treat people. You want to treat them safely. And I'm more inclined to treat them with already FDA-approved medications like the hydroxychloroquine and the azithromycin as opposed to some of the newer medicines like remdesivir, which hasn't necessarily gone through all the checks and balances of FDA approval. So I am more inclined to treat people with medications that well, let me are widely ask you this. used across the globe. Have, you, yeah. have yeah. you been reading about any cases, Dr. Sapphire, where it has been detrimental because i have not seen that i know yeah, and I you write not, about heart I arrhythmia not. i you know you've got to watch out for that a, a, a person has those problems at these doses we're not talking about uh any eyesight uh impairment that i've read tell me if i'm wrong no i also have not heard any reports of that of course we always work worry about um antibiotic resistance in for long term and we don't want a lot of people taking azithromycin if they don't need to because we don't want to be breeding um, resistant bacteria. However, at this point, I have not seen any negatives, but that doesn't mean that they aren't going to be there. But right now, I think that we have potentially viable treatment options that need to continue to be explored, and we shouldn't just let people suffer 
um, while we wait for the perfect randomized controlled study. And your take on that, Dr. Collier? Yeah, well, the FDA has approved this. And, you know, they've seen the exact same data that we've talked about uh, here. And they've approved this for in-hospital, first for in-hospital use. That's uh, where they are. You know, these medications, medications in general, about one out of five prescriptions are for off-label uses. And this is considered an off-label use uh, for us. So I think, you know, doctors are, no, are very comfortable using other medicines uh, for off-label uses. I think they can be comfortable here. Well, I think then, Dr. Nicole, off-label use, uh, compassionate choice or care, uh, the right to try. I mean, if I'm, if I'm about to drop dead and, and I've exhausted every traditional treatment, God forbid I have a cancer or something, uh, and somebody tells me, hey, there's some hope over here. You might want to try this. Uh, I'm trying it. I'm not ready to go yet. I have a lot more. I have a lot more. I'm saying I'm sorry to a lot of people first. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And, you know, that's my specialty. I work in, with cancer patients every day. And so, you know, I'm all for right to try legislation as long as it proves safe. And at this point, it does seem that a lot of these medications are proving safe. And I, I like the idea of trying them out. Yeah, and I think that that's just a smart thing to do. I mean, you ever see the, uh, what was the Dallas, Dallas Buyers Club? Matthew McConaughey, did you ever see that movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, I mean, I kind of <laughs> like that character. I'm like, this guy, I, I liked everything that he was doing there, and he had results, and like everybody wants to put him in jail when all he's trying to do is find some treatment when there is none. AZT yeah, in that I mean, particular case. Yeah, there are a lot of stories like that, and especially when it came to HIV and epidemic, which Doctors Berchi and Fau or Fauci and Burks were a part of it, and they are well aware of the yeah. parallel tracking medications to try and treat. So, you know, I just, you know, I, I, I think it's the right thing to do right now. We, we obviously mitigating the spread of disease community wide is crucial. Stopping new cases from coming within our borders is crucial. But at the same time, for long-term outcomes, we need to make sure that we find effective treatments as well as continue getting the vaccine, right. vaccine because this is going to come back. Last word, Dr. Collier. You know, this has been, this is our only tool that, that we have. And it's not time for partisan divisiveness. We're going to fight like hell for our patients. And that's what this is about, is we want to look after our patients. We want to make sure that they have every option available because we're going to be there with them no matter what. I want to thank you both for what you do. I mean, all these doctors, nurses, medical professionals, you know, every time somebody has a virus, they are in harm's way and they do it anyway. It's like they're calling. Thank you all for trying to save lives and, and being so committed to what you do every day. Uh, we appreciate it all. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. We will be extending our guidelines to April 30th to slow the spread. On Tuesday, we will be finalizing these plans and providing a summary of our findings, supporting data, and strategy to the American people. So we'll be having lots of meetings in between, but we'll be having a very important statement made on Tuesday, probably Tuesday evening on all of the findings, all of the data, and the reasons we're doing things the way we're doing them. We can expect that by June 1st, we will be well on our way to recovery. We think by June 1st, a lot of 
great things will be happening. I want every citizen in our country to take heart and confidence in the fact that we have the best medical minds in the world tackling this disease. We have the best science, the best researchers, and the best talent anywhere working night and day to protect your family and loved ones and to overcome this pandemic. And I've been asking that question to Tony and Deborah, and they've been uh, talking to me about it for a long time. Other people have been asking that question. And I think we got our most accurate study today, or certainly most comprehensive. Think of the number, 2.2, potentially 2.2 million people if we did nothing, if we didn't do the distancing, if we didn't do all of the things that we're doing. And when you hear those numbers, you start to realize that with the kind of work we went through last week with the $2.2 trillion, uh, it no longer sounds like a lot, right? So you're talking about, when I heard the number today, First time I've heard that number, because I've been asking the same question that some people have been asking. Uh, I felt even better about what we did last week with the $2.2 trillion, uh, because you're talking about a potential of up to $2.2 million, and some people said it could even be higher than that. So you're talking about 2.2 million deaths, 2.2 million people from this. And so if we could hold that down, as we're saying to 100,000, it's a horrible number maybe even less, but to 100,000. So we have between 100 and 200,000. We all together have done a very good job, but uh, 2.2 up to 2.2 million deaths and maybe even beyond that. I'm feeling very good about what we did last week. All right, glad you're with us. News Roundup and Information Overload Hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Um, Nobody anticipated which direction this thing would go all the all the books that have ever been written as it relates to how we in the world deals with pandemics it's all being rewritten um why did the president extend it because he's listening to the doctors the scientists and uh, it's obvious what they're trying to do here save as many lives as possible in the short term and also prevent a possible rebound by by getting back into normal life too early. That's my interpretation of it. You know, I've been saying over and over again, and in times like this, you see the best in people. You see the best in medicine. You see the best in humanity. And you see some of the worst, unfortunately. Um, One of the great things that's happening now, tonight I will be this Navy ship arriving in New York Harbor earlier today. I'll be doing my show right, right in front of that ship tonight. And it's just a, a it's a, a medical marvel. And then you've got 3000 bed hospital that is built in if you're not in New York. It's known as the Jacob Javits Center uh, by the Army Corps of Engineers, fully equipped, ready to go up and running. You got hospitals now being built in Suffolk County, New York, Nassau County in New York, uh, again, all by the Army Corps of Engineers, Westchester, New York all in record time. I think they built the Javits Center Hospital in what, in like four or five days. Amazing. And and you look at the images and you're like, wow, it's just nothing but remarkable and impressive, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, uh, it's incredible. Now, uh, Franklin Graham has been a friend of this program for many, many, many years. Why he associates with us is, I don't know. I mean, he's really, this is charitable God's work, but um, they do amazing work. We have Franklin on every year, Operation Christmas Box, uh, where people, 
you know, fill these these shoe boxes or whatever with with toys and and necessities for kids in the poorest of countries, and they deliver millions and millions and millions around every year. And they also, when when recently the tornadoes hit in Nashville, outside of Nashville, uh, in less than twelve hours, uh, Samaritan's Purse was on the ground, helping families, helping people, providing goods and services. They have truckloads, infrastructure. And they now are building a hospital, another hospital, this one in Central Park in New York. And Franklin Graham is with us. He heads up Samaritan's Purse. Uh, I can't believe how quickly you guys are just able to mobilize. Um, Thanks for being back with us. And thanks for what you're doing for the people in New York. And thanks for what you did in Nashville. Thanks for what you set up a hospital in Italy as well. Well, Sean, we're, we're living in very difficult days. And the world has changed so much just in the last uh, uh, two weeks uh, for millions and millions of people around the world. And I think it's important, Sean, that we respond. We were asked last week if we would consider coming to New York, and we didn't even hesitate. Uh, we said yes. And, uh, Sean, we've got uh, it's a 168-bed uh, respiratory care unit. It's right across from the Mount Sinai uh, Hospital on Fifth Avenue. We're in the park. Uh, we're working with Mount, Mount Sinai. They've been uh, excellent people to work with. Uh, but we're going to be taking uh, whatever people uh, come to our doors. And they'll, they'll come through Mount Sinai. They will help do the triage. But one thing different about, Sean, our approach than maybe others, uh, every person that comes into our hospital, we pray for them. Our doctors pray for them. Our nurses pray for them. And uh, we've got doctors and nurses that come from across the country. They drop what they do to come help us. And uh, we've just got uh, the best of the best uh, of Christian men and women. We've got uh, chaplains who come, and uh, they will be praying. Uh, Sean, there was maybe you read this yourself, uh, a lady who was distraught because her husband died in a hospital there in New York, and she couldn't be with him. And she felt uh, that she had abandoned him and that he had died all alone. And uh, I can just tell you that if anyone does pass away in our hospital, uh, they won't die alone. Our doctors and nurses will be around them. We'll be praying for them and loving them. But my prayer is every person who comes will walk out. And that's that's our goal. And uh, we're just uh, honored and uh, that we can come to New York to help the great people of that city and that state. You know, there's there's a lot of things happening here simultaneously. One, as I said, you see goodness inherent goodness, greatness, greatness in people. And, and that's what your organization is all about. How did you build up this infrastructure? When I heard you were on the ground in 12 hours in Nashville, I, I actually talked to a mutual friend of ours, uh, Michael W. Smith, and he said, you, you guys were there, you know, within hours. And you come in with truckloads. You built this infrastructure and wherever there is a need, you you guys are there. It's like you, it's and then the Red Cross, to their credit, they have they have good infrastructure as well. But how were you able to build all of this infrastructure and get food and water and medicine and supplies and tents and cots and blankets? And you it's like you must have these tractor trailers ready to go all the time. Uh, well, Sean, when people are in need, when there's a crisis, they need help now. They don't need it maybe tomorrow. They need it today. And so our mentality is when the storm hits, go um, and be on the road. And so that by the time the storm passes, uh, you can be there. Uh, with New York, with this uh, corona crisis, we always try to keep, keep two hospitals in stock. 
And uh, we, we used one earlier this year down the Bahamas, and we replaced it. And we had two, and we sent one to Italy. And then now they need one in New York, so we're, we're out of hospitals. Uh, we're, we're desperately ordering a couple of more, but um, we're kind of at our capacity. Uh, the, Can I the, ask a question? It may sound stupid. Sure. How do you order a hospital? I mean, I mean, it's such well, a massive undertaking. I, like when I saw the 3,000 beds set up at the Javits Center, I was shocked. And that was right. our Army Corps of Engineers. When I, I look at that ship, and I'm, I'm going to be up close and personal tonight with it, and I'm like blown away. And then the other hospitals all going up. Uh, it is, and it's all in record time. And, and Sean, but, but here's something we have to think about. Who's going to man those hospitals? You've got to have doctors and nurses. And the, the medical community in New York is stretched. Uh, the doctors and nurses that are in the, in the hospitals there right now are stretched. And uh, they, they need our help. They need our prayers uh, just to sustain what, what they have to do. And so I'm not sure what the government's plan is uh, to, to fill uh, these other hospitals with the, with the doctors and nurses that they've got to have. Uh, but I, I know that what we have up there, we have it fully staffed. We've got uh, right now 96 people uh, on the ground for this, this hospital. And uh, we will have staff that will rotate every few weeks uh, to, give them a, to get them out to put a new team in. Uh, and, but our staff is coming from around the country. We also have, uh, Sean, uh, the hospital in Italy, and we're having to staff that and, uh, and send doctors and nurses over there and, and rotate them in and out. Uh, this is, this is going to get worse, Sean, before it gets better. And the yeah. only hope for this is God. We need, uh, we need to get people to pray, to pray for our president, to pray for our country, to pray for this world which we're living because we need God's help. Well, amen to that. I don't think anybody can deny that. You know, it's interesting that uh, one of the things that I when I, I, I go out, I went shopping this weekend. I, I try to stop by my favorite restaurants to just buy stuff. Even if I don't really need a lot more food, I'm going to get fat again. Um, but I just want to support their businesses while they're, you know, struggling. They're all struggling now, sure. but, but they're t offering takeout and so on and so forth. And anyway, and you talk to people and I just there is a fear, a real panic in some cases that is gripping the minds and hearts of people. I try in my own life. And I, again, I'm not saying I have any better qualities than anybody else. I try in my own life not to be fearful. And because I think I you, you can't get your best answers if you're in that right. state. And I like to think through things very strategically and, you know, you have to accept that this life is going to throw you, you know, hard and high and tight fastballs. And for you, it's your faith, though. I mean, and, and for me, to a certain extent, I'm just not, you know, anywhere near as good as you. But I mean, the all the honest answer is, I think all of us, regardless of what your particular faith might be, you know, I can't look at this universe within universes within universes and not realize, yeah, God created that. And I just don't have the capacity to fully understand them. Well, Sean, you're right. There, I've never seen people hearts gripped with fear like I've seen today, and 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 people are afraid. And uh, I, I want people to know that uh, as a Christian, um, I believe that my my life is in God's hands. Uh, God doesn't promise to keep us out of the storms, but He promises to be with us in the storm and to go through the storm with us. 
Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And, and I know that um, whatever happens to me in life, uh, that, that God is with me. Um, I'm not a good guy. I'm a sinner, but I've been forgiven. And because I was 22 years old when I got on my knees one night and I confessed my sins to God, I asked Well, him I think forgive. I can give more details. Here's the son of the great Billy Graham, <laughs> and you are incorrigible like I was. So, I, you know, there's hope for me. Well, there's there's hope for all of us if, we're, <laughs> if we'll repent and turn from our sins and by faith believe on the name of Jesus Christ, God's Son. God will forgive our sins. And and, and here's the great thing, Sean. I know that my life will come to an end one day. Uh, it could be with this coronavirus. It could be with a car accident or cancer. But whenever that day comes, I'll be in the presence of God, and not because I'm a good guy, but because I've been forgiven. And everyone who's listening right now, they can they can experience God's forgiveness by accepting Christ into their hearts by faith like I did when I was 22 years of age. And you turned out pretty well, and I know your dad was proud of you. Um, Franklin Graham, by the way, we're going to put up on Hannity.com um, a, a link to Samaritan's Purse. If you're so inclined, um, it's a charity I've donated to in the past, and I will again on this case. Uh, Franklin Graham, you're a good man. Thank you for what you're doing, and uh, we wish you Godspeed and continue great work. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. God bless. All right, let's say hi to Rick, uh, North Carolina. Rick, hi. How are you? You've got the last minute 20 on this half hour. What's up, sir? Uh, I'm, I'm privileged. Hey, I, I just, a uh, couple of quick points here. Can you imagine having Nancy Pelosi in, in a higher position of leadership? Uh, the pork that she just put in this thing, I, I can't even imagine if she was president. The hate that she has for President Trump has driven this woman insane. And I, I just can't even imagine if we had that leadership in, in place. And I just, my concern is, what do we do if these these libs get their way? How do you pull that back? How do you pull any of this back? Because there's a lot of government control right now, which is understandable. But how do you, you know, you know what I'm saying? Listen, that's what the election's about in 218 days. I mean, you know, it's, look, I was saying before Corona, and I said it regularly, if Donald Trump cured cancer and gave every American, you know, $5 million, they'd want to impeach him for that. And there's a certain, there's nothing we can ever do that is going to convince those people that have have, have staked out a position that is now based in, in deep psychosis of hatred. And again, you're going to see the best in people, the worst in people. The fact that they let people that were in need wait another full week as they porked up that bill. And by the way, thanks to you and this audience, whatever got taken out and it was significant was because of all of your calls. It's uh, it is beyond repulsive to me, but yet predictable. And it's not going to change. And the only way to prevent what you're saying is do something about it. You're the ultimate jury in 218 days. Uh, quick break. We'll come back. Wide open phones. We'll take a lot of calls. Final half hour of the program. Hannity tonight. Uh, we will be at right in front of the Navy hospital ship in New York, 9 Eastern. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. Best of times, worst in times, best in people, worst out of people. Let's go to our media mob. Uh, oh, so the, the, the USS Comfort, 1,000-bed what is it? Third, I think it's 12 to 14 operating rooms on this ship. I think it's 12 to 14 operating rooms on this ship. Can you imagine? We're, we're going to show you the exclusive video tonight of that and the Javits Center, because that's where I'll be broadcasting from. And it's just an amazing testament to the ability of a nation to rally around a hope and a challenge that nobody really saw coming to this extent. 
And then there are those that will politicize anything and everything. You got. Let's head over to Conspiracy TV, Roswell, Rachel Maddow's channel, uh, MSDNC, basically state-run television, all things radical democratic socialist. Nonsense. That hospital ship will be in New York soon. Let's listen. In terms of uh, the happy talk we've had on this front from the federal government, there is no sign that the Navy hospital ships that the president made such a big deal of, the comfort and the mercy, um, there's no sign that they'll be anywhere on site helping out anywhere in the country for weeks yet. The president said when he announced that those ships would be put into action against the COVID-19 epidemic, he said one of those ships would be operational in New York Harbor by next week. That's nonsense. It will not be there next week. Nonsense. Well, it's there now. I'm sure there'll be a correction over there at MSDNC, the Conspiracy Theory Channel. Let's stay there. Joy Reid warning that Donald Trump might use the coronavirus to reign as a monarch. This is how twisted and sick this all gets. Of course, it's hardly news that Trump has always had designs on reigning as a monarch with unlimited power rather than serving as a mere president in a democracy. But with the country facing an unprecedented public health crisis, what lengths might he, backed by an attorney general whose writings and actions point to a fundamental belief in an all-powerful presidency, at least when the would-be king is a Republican, what lengths might Trump go to to expand his power under the guise of national security? Let's scare the living hell out of everybody. And then you got Chucky Todd. Oh, yeah giving a softball interview to quid pro quo Joe. Now, you got to remember, Joe Biden has a history with a pandemic. It's called H1N1. And we've learned a lot. Like, for example, they didn't replenish all of the stockpiles of masks and other things when that was all over, when they could have. And, you know, just like Andrew Cuomo could have purchased at a pretty low price all the ventilators he seems to always want to have, though he admits they're in a warehouse and he's not using the 4,000 that... Uh, the Trump administration already sent them. And, and by the way, they're making more. I mean, the the president went forward with the uh, Defense Procurement Act. And so now GM is stepping up. All these companies are stepping up. Everyone's doing all hands on deck. And But is there blood on Donald Trump's hands? I wonder. Now, if you think about this, I wonder if they'd ever consider that Trump's xenophobic hysteria and and fear mongering 10 days after the first known case in the U.S. putting that travel ban and quarantine in effect. I wonder if there would be one intellectually honest person in the mob that would say, wow, I, I disagree with Trump, but that was a good call because countless how many thousands of Americans could have likely would have contracted the virus and incalculable how many exponentially, if you're looking at death rates, may have died. How many lives could have been saved? Do they say one good thing about that ever? No. The mob and the media, this is all NBC News. This this is not news. This is all state-run, democratic, radical, socialist, hate Trump TV. Here's, uh, Here's Chucky. And we have to be ahead of the curve, not behind the curve like we were last time. You know, your campaign put out your, in a critique of, of President Trump and says if he doesn't do these things, you know, he could he could cost lives. Do you think there's already do you think there is blood on the president's hands considering the slow response? Or is that too too harsh of a criticism? I think that's a little too harsh. Sixty point eight million Americans in 2009 and 2010 
when quid pro quo Joe was the vice president of the United States, contracted the swine flu, that pandemic. They waited until a thousand Americans were dead before Obama himself went out and said, yeah, uh, it's a national emergency. And he was praised for it. Now, his health and human services secretary did call it an emergency to get some funding credit there. I'm trying to be fair, but they didn't. It wasn't the death count. There wasn't the confirmed cases count. Also, what's missing is I would actually like to see the recovery count at some point. Now, the, the you know, I, I look at all of this. It's like what I said earlier. I'm watching and I'm watching and I'm watching. And I'm just like, I sit there in a state of shock. It doesn't matter what Donald Trump will ever do. They are never going to say good job. He's rewritten the rules on how future pandemics will be dealt with. Bans will be immediate. Quarantine, standard. Testing, first drive up, then home testing, then five-minute testing, standard. Public-private partnerships will be standard. Defense Production Act, standard. FDA, you know, getting rid of draconian rules when you see that Novartis, their CEO is saying hydroxychloroquine is, quote, our biggest hope to save lives um, and others. That's that's all going to change as a result of this, but they're doing it on the fly because nobody else did it. Nobody else showed this urgency. Uh, all right, let's get to our phones. Let's say hi to Mike in Ohio. Mike, hi. How are you? Glad you called, sir. Hey, Sean. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? Okay. Well, I you know, let's not forget that there's an election going to still going to happen in November. And what I here, I'll make this short. Out here in the in the most deplorables and everybody else, we know that Trump is going to be elected for sure at this point. And I know you'll say, well, don't ever say that. I mean, we're going to have to fight all the way through, but it's a done deal. And here's why we here in America throughout history have not changed horses midstream when there's a real genuine crisis. And they fan the flames now to the point where whether there is a huge crisis or there isn't, and I think there is medically, let's face it, we're not going to change streams during the, uh, the Civil War. Everybody hated Lincoln in his first term, but they voted him in again because it was so drastic we couldn't vote him out. During World War II and the Depression, Roosevelt got in four times. We weren't about to change. That's the Democrats. These idiots, and I hope they're listening, uh, Pelosi and Schumer and the rest of them, these idiots think that by fanning the flames of fear, which they're doing right now, that's going to push Trump aside finally. We are not we are not going to change at this point. If the election was tomorrow, Trump would win by a landslide like we've never seen. It just doesn't happen in American history. Listen, so, I just uh, th- there's nothing that I see that Democrats have done to make us safer, to make us more secure, to have increased our our prosperity, create jobs And frankly, this rhetoric, this madness, this insanity. Remember, they were in the middle of impeaching Donald Trump. They had their trial. They weren't talking about when the president was instituting a travel ban. Well, he didn't take it seriously. Well, that's pretty serious because he was called a whole bunch of names by doing it. And it's, you know, every single thing that he's done every step of the way, it's there's nothing. If he cures cancer, they'll never say a good word. They can't. It's not in them. I just accept it. What, just one last thing. Yesterday, I don't know if you saw it, but on CNN, they brought out, are you ready for this? You probably saw it. They brought out Stephen King. Stephen King, of all people, whose stock and trade is horrifying people as a living, and he's very good at it. He's a great author, great horror film. He was on CNN yesterday saying, what, what's going to happen? They have officially, the Democrat Party and, and the media have officially jumped the shark. 
that was the day yesterday when for a lot of us out here, we're just not not going to listen anymore. And I listened to CNN, but not anymore. That that they have scraped the very they've gone as low as you could possibly go by bringing out the Mr. Fear Factor himself, Stephen King. Oh, my God. It's it's it's. It's beyond insane. Long live Donald Trump. Is he perfect? No, but uh, we're we're heading in the right direction here. I wish November 3rd was tomorrow, to be honest with you. Listen, I think, you know, my hope is I think the reason the president, I, I, again, I'm, I'm speculating here, but I think based on what what the medical experts around him are saying is, hey, we we got to dig in a little longer. We're going to cure all the cancer. We're not going to leave a little bit behind because if we do, then we might have a rebound in this. And that, I think, was the reason for the decision to extend what the measures we're now taking through April the 30th. Do I like it? No. Does everybody in America want to get back to normal life? Yes. If the patterns hold, we're going to see a leveling. And then after the leveling, hopefully we'll see what happened in, in South Korea and other countries. And that is that a precipitous decline and we begin to stop the virus. And then that means we can get back to normal life. And then when the economy, by the way, in the second quarter is crap, which it will be, then they'll say, ah, Donald Trump ruined the economy. Well, I want to see what the third quarter numbers look like, because if my belief in the American people is dying to get back to work, I believe that everyone I talk to, I want to get back to normal life. I want to work now. I want to do this. Uh, I think we could have the the biggest turnaround. Literally, you, you talk about a you and then a precipitous rise. That's what I'd like to see for the country's sake. You know what, Sean? Yeah. I I was thinking about this over the weekend as I talked to my little boy who can't understand why he can't see his friends and he can't go to school and he wants to know about the virus and why is the virus hurting people and so on and so forth. And I was thinking about, you know, eight years of Barack Obama and that mantra of hope and change and how the president was trying to instill a little bit of hope, a little bit of, you know, just just promised that maybe we'd be able to see each other on Easter Sunday. And then, of course, you know, Fauci and Burke said, no, that's not a good idea. But at least he instilled a little bit of hope, right? We're looking at hope. We're hoping that we can find a cure. We're hoping that governors will pull together. We're hoping that Democratic mainstream media will stop playing politics with people's lives and and just, you know, dispel with all of the morbidity every single night. There maybe is something I'm just to too be said cynical. for that. It's horrible. But yeah, but Sean, you know, not for nothing. You know, you're cynical. Sean, Sean, not for nothing. You're cynical. <laughs> not for nothing. At least you're giving people a little bit of hope. You know, we're going to we're gonna talk to different doctors. Oh we're going to look at different things. You know who hates me right now? Dr. Oz, Dr. Josh Humber, all my Dr. Pete, Dr. Steve, Dr. All my doctor friends hate me right now. And they don't really hate me. They just know that I'm obsessed. I think I was texting Dr. Right, Oz at 2 you're, in the morning last night. I said, did you see this? Did you see right, this? But Let you're me- obsessed with looking for something positive, the answers. These people are out there trying to tear down the little bit of hope that people are building up in the midst of something, you know, listen, the likes I, we've never seen. I understand the reality of what politics are. I get it. I it, There is no, look, in many ways, there's only one antidote. You, this is where the choice comes in. This is now the tipping point. This now factors into, okay, the election. Quid pro quo Joe has a record on dealing with a pandemic. He has a record on the economy. He has a record with that horrific Iranian deal. That record will also be on the ballot, assuming he's on the ballot. I mean, there's so much speculation. Andrew Cuomo is going to take his place. Well, it'll be interesting to watch them try and pull that one off. Uh, And I'm willing to 
talk about Andrew Cuomo's record as, as often as uh, possible. Listen, I wanted a good relationship with Andrew Cuomo. We put him on the air. We even blew breaks that day because he was saying, let's all get together. You know, I see all the press conferences at the Javits Center. That would be the president who built that. The president brought the ship in. The president that sent him 4,000 ventilators that he threw in a warehouse. And he had, you know, now in his third term, he's had enough boondoggles out there that he's wasted so much money of the taxpayers of New York. And, you know, hear all these things that come. I need 40,000. I'm like, you're not using the four you have. We're trying to get them built as quickly as we can. Every company is, you know, stepping up to the challenge. I think we'll have them in time is my guess based on everything I hear everybody saying about it. But, you know, what, you know, he spent $750 million for a solar panel factory in upstate New York. They, yeah, it closed down. $90 million for a light bulb company in California. That didn't work out either. $600 million for a computer chip factory that sits empty. How many gowns, masks, respirators, ventilators, gloves could he have purchased with just a, 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 a smidgen of this money that he wasted? So it just is infuriating, but you're not going to stop them from playing politics. When it comes to power, for many, it is the ultimate aphrodisiac, if you will. It's the ultimate goal. That's all they care about. Right now, I'd like to see Americans stay healthy, save as many lives as possible, get to the other side of this, and hopefully the pattern holds, and we go on and become, and we live our normal American life. That's what everybody wants. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. All right, Hannity tonight, an amazing sight to see in New York today is this Navy hospital ship that treats a thousand patients at once, along with the Javits Center, you know, the, the Army Corps of Engineers, 3,000 beds already built, four others going up. Now Franklin Graham has one in Central Park. Anyway, we'll be doing the show tonight um, right at the location of the U.S. Comfort. And um, I'm just very honored to do it. We'll uh, show you the inside of that, the inside of these these Army Corps of Engineer hospitals and uh, all of that exclusively and all you need to know that you won't get from the media mob. So we hope you'll join us tonight, 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox News. Thanks for being with us. See you tonight. Back here tomorrow.